0: everyone. Welcome to the Business of Art and Design, where we have straightforward conversations with artists and designers who have used their arts degrees to pursue a career in the visual arts. I'm your host, Jody McCoy, Director of Exhibitions at Missouri State University. Today, graduate assistant Adana Garote and undergrad Sydney Young talk with Rachel Yoon about how we think about objects, the confluence of social media and art practice, the evolution of Hothouse as a body of work and artist communities.
1: Okay, so I would like to start um, by asking if you could maybe describe the show a little bit since there will be people who won't be able to see it in person. Uh, just a little visual,
2: um, you know,
1: a visual description of what's <laughs> happening.
2: <laughs> Yeah. How do you even describe like what you walk into in that space? Um, So Hot House is an exhibition of uh, like it's a big kind of like immersive installation of um, kinetic sculptures. Um, I kind of tend to think of it as like a dance party. So like you kind of walk in through the space and you'll hear a music track and you'll see all these like dancing plant sculptures um, kind of like yeah, I don't know, just, like, moving really kind of erratically in this, uh, in this space, there's, like, colored lighting, um, so, like, it it gives, like, a really kind of festive vibe to it, um, and, yeah, the, the plants are all kind of moving, um, because of these massager motors that they're attached to, so, um, yeah, that's, like, a very brief description (laughs) of, like, what the, the show is,
3: I hope that's Mm -hmm. okay. yeah that's no, a good that description good. though because that's what i tell my friends it's like is like a like a plant dance party
2: yeah you know it, it's funny like being um programmed alongside shiju's um work because hers is like a lot more like contemplative and slow and quiet and then mine's just like this like wild party like off of the side so um yeah good contrast
1: it's awesome and i wanted to ask so when you go into this dance party um, it's this combination you're hearing like this old, uh, Korean church music with like this heavy, you know, like club kid type vibe of music. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could talk about that and like how that plays in with movement and like, what, what is the significance of the auditory part of the exhibition?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, there's kind of a mixture of, um, yeah, like kind of like club-ish EBM music. And then there's also these, ch- uh, um, clips of like um like church sounds um from korean churches that i collected off of youtube um and the idea was that um this space of like all these like crazy massager pieces like moving together um it resembled to me like both kind of like a, a celebratory space like a dance party or like you know like a queer underground scene like lots of different ways like um, that people kind of gather and especially like haven't been able to gather because of the pandemic um but then it also like as I was making the work like really kind of also brought up this memory of when I was growing up um because my i was raised very very religiously like um southern baptist bordering bordering on like pentecostal like uh christianity um which is like the very like uh performative and like um I don't know, like very dramatic and, and theatrical kind of Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. But when I was growing up, like my dad, who's, a, who's the pastor of the church, um, very fun and complicated mm-hmm. growing up. Um, he uh, would lead these like massive group prayers, like with the church. So like the idea is that the the lights go down, the music gets turned up and then basically everybody prays out loud together. Um, and it's like very emotional. Like everybody's like, like, I don't know, you just see like these like kind of like old, like reserved Korean women like suddenly just kind of like erupt into this like emotional experience and they're like crying and they're like shaking their fists and clapping, and it's really kind of like they're like exercising whatever kind of emotion out of them. Um and for me, I kind of found some some similarity and overlap with like the way that people do that at like like concerts or like dance clubs um like it's really just the way people move their space move their bodies in space together with each other um so I was kind of like conflating those two kind of like seemingly opposite worlds um and I actually mixed the dance track myself which was like quite a task I have a lot of respect for like for DJs like I was doing this all with like um what is it garage band and this like midi keyboard and was like trying to make music but um but yeah it was a it was a fun experience making that for the show
1: and it's a fun experience to be in it be in like even even understanding the context like you do feel with the lights and the ambiance and 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 the movement even of like these artificial plants that are being used you're like this is a setup for some sort of elaborate party that I did not dress up right for. And, but I'm still going to enjoy it. And I'm still going to be able to like move in this space um, and then like hear things that I'm maybe not familiar with. Um, and so, I like, interpret them as like, this is music and I'm supposed to be yeah. dancing to this and <laughs> vibing.
2: Yeah, I like that it's like, it kind of like disrupts like what you would expect um, like an art show to be like. Like usually it's like very brightly lit and like white walled and, um, you know, people walk around with their hands behind their backs and like very kind of slowly taking this work. And it's just like, I feel like the work kind of like sensorily like assaults you like when you walk in because there's just so much happening. Um, But I, I like that part. Like I like disrupting that expectation.
3: I think it's a really powerful like thing you can do with your art because we are so used to um like you said, like white walls, whatever. Um it's one of the best, one of my favorite shows that we've put up. Like you walk into work and you're just dancing. It's like a good it's a good vibe.
2: I hope it hasn't driven anybody like absolutely insane
3: who has to like sit there like all day.
2: I mean, it's, it's a lot, like it's a looping dance track, but, um, but yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you.
3: It's definitely a vibe. Like we've talked about like, how can we get this after the show is over?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was, it was super serendipitous. I mean, the the show in its first kind of duration opens like really like very, somewhat early in the pandemic, like six months in, and you know, that's like pre-vaccine, pre like any sort of reopening. And so um it was interesting because like all these um visitors had to come to the museum in this very kind of like cautious way, like timed entry, masked distance, but like for a brief moment could like relive what life was like before everything shut down. Um you know obviously we're like still very much in the pandemic. And so um I like that um the space kind of becomes like a safe haven in a way.
1: Still very timely. It's still like, it still makes, <laughs> it's still uh, like, you get kind of thrusted back into that space of like, I feel like I'm not supposed to be at a dance party right now. Like, I'm not supposed to be in this space, in this gallery, experiencing work
2: right now, but I'm here yeah. and I as well enjoy it, you know? Yeah, it's like, unfortunately, still timely <laughs> because yeah. of COVID just like continuing on endlessly. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
1: And I guess, like, this kind of brings me into, you know, you've had multiple iterations of this work. And it's something I see, you know, at least on social media, like something that you're continuing. Um, What would you like people to take away from this? You know, there's this sense of like community that you get when you're in a space like that, when it's not a traditional gallery space. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time I've walked into the space where, you know, you walk up to people and you're shimmying your shoulders and you're like, yeah, this is good. But Um, like you as the artist what do you think is the goal for them to
2: experience that's a that's a good question and honestly kind of a tough one because I I don't think there's like a right or wrong way to experience that work. like some people are like this is great I'm gonna dance and some people are like this is weird and I'm not gonna like really get into it um (laughs) but I think it is because it's like it's so jarring um and, and yeah like I like I mentioned it's um it's fun kind of disrupting that expectation that art needs to be this like um, very like precious and like carefully handled thing, like, you know, being made of found objects, being moving, um, also like the pieces have like a lifespan to them. Like they don't run forever. And actually some of the pieces in the show have like basically like died or like dance until they dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I, I like doing that cause I feel like I've, um, I'm always looking for ways to like, um, you know, I think outside the box, I guess, with, with art making, um, and, you know, not to say, not to, like, discredit, like, the many millennia of, like, art that is, like, not just, like, made out of plastic and moving, of course, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I also think I grew up thinking that art needs to be, like, this really austere and, like, very, like, charged and, like, very sad, <laughs> like, kind of, um, stuff and and it's uh you know for me it's really fun making like kind of like happier arts you know there's still like some deep stuff to it for sure but mm-hmm. um but I like that you can kind of just jump into it and like i don't know I guess maybe what I'd like to people to take away or like what I kind of see in the work is like um is um finding personality and objects like I think that's something I think about a lot when I'm kind of walking down the street or whatever, and I see, like, a smushed, like, safety cone, and I'm, like, oh, that's, like, really sad, and I don't know, there's, like, that, there's a weird kind of, like, ability to sympathize with something that's, like, not, like, living, and um, I don't know, I I like when people kind of, like, see personalities, like, emerge from these pieces.
3: Cool. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the fact that like some of the massagers do like kind of like they kind of crap out over time the mm-hmm. show is going to look different every time that you see it and every time that you install it it's like space specific so yeah they get tired you know like yeah. they, <laughs> they run for like a
2: long time um I think the there's some some pieces that are still from the first show and they they've already gone through like maybe like a thousand hours of runtime which is like pretty crazy for like kind of a crappy appliance (laughs) and
1: some of the plants too are starting to like like the plastic in them are starting to deteriorate or like parts are breaking off some of them have just like blown off completely from the machine and like you kind of (laughs) see like the remnants like of this party that never ends and just like the you know beer bottles and crap just everywhere on the ground but it's instead these like plants yeah everyone's dancing
2: totally yeah there's they definitely like wear on each other like they they're yeah I mean like some especially I remember when I was installing it I was like these like already look like so damaged but like (laughs) um but yeah it's like kind of like I'm I'm putting these what are normally supposed to be very decorative and still kind of like you know, artificial flowers, you, you put them in a vase and, you know, they never die. And they are supposed to look like that. And I like just like putting them through like this very strenuous activity um, that I'm sure the manufacturers like never ever thought they were going to like <laughs> the things would ever experience. So, um, yeah, it's fun
3: that adds to it though because they're supposed to be that very like still pretty thing and then you go into your show and you're like well they've seen some stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's cool though (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and I think like there's the plants themselves like it's they're not like normal plants that you would see in a house either a lot of them Uh, or tropical plants or plants that are not necessarily, you know, like you're in Springfield, Missouri, you're not going to find like birds of paradise plants anywhere around here. Um, And it also gives and builds to the fantasy of this party that is being thrown. And also like the, you know, maybe looking to something like greater, like this, um, you know, paradise that you're looking for and like thinking about like a religious context with like the, the Korean church noises And how people sometimes view partying and clubbing as, like, a church. Like, this is where we go every weekend, and we are going to spend hours here um, just, like, celebrating or trying to, you know, bring to life some sort of, uh, yeah, fantasy, I guess, is the the best word
2: I can think of for that I like that you brought up that, like, you know, in Springfield, Missouri, you do not find these kind of plants, too, because I... um, I think about that a lot. Like, you know, I got very into house plants during the pandemic because I was just like at home and I was like, this needs like 40 plants in here. Um, <laughs> but have such a weird collection. Like I have like, um, you know, like, I have like a bird of paradise plant, which is never going to flower because it's like not in the right like conditions. And I have like succulents and like other cacti, and then just like kind of your more typical plants. But it's like, you know, because of, of, you know the time that we live in and like the infrastructure we have we can like have all these kind of like weird combinations of plants that would never ever have like been together in the same space like um like i recently learned about like dutch um vanitas paintings which were like um still live paintings of like flowers and stuff but a lot of them were like impossible like combinations of flowers because of like where they grew in the climate and like being able to like transport all that you can never actually have these flowers in the same space. And I like, yeah, I just think about how, like, I don't know, it, it feels weird. I feel like I'm kind of holding these houseplants like hostage in this like weird midwestern climate. Like they're not like thriving because, um, it's like too cold in my apartment and too like dry because of like the air conditioning and like, mm-hmm. um, but like, I don't know, it's just, it's just like a very normal part of like having a house plan.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess moving from this very specific show to maybe, you know, talking about the iterations that you've had before or future iterations, um, is there a significant moment throughout your life uh, that directed this mode of think like this mode of making and this mode of thinking, um, like your art practice, these concepts? Um, and if so, like, what are they?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the this show really came about because of this opportunity that I had um, in St. Louis called the Great Rivers Biennial, um, which is um, a juried kind of basically competition. Like every two years, um, St. Louis artists, St. Louis area artists are um, welcome to apply and write like a proposal and like send in images. And then we have um, guest jurors like um, who are usually these like really renowned artists world professionals um basically like choose finalists and then do studio visits with everybody um so that's really what kind of like gave me a lot of like forward momentum like you know i was i was making work in my studio and and doing like occasional shows and everything but to like create like a really huge installation like this um really happened because i received that opportunity it came with like a really nice like twenty thousand dollar stipend and like Um, and then like this museum exhibition. So I really had the opportunity to like, think bigger about like my work and not just think about it like as singular pieces in a gallery, but like, how do I, you know, claim this kind of huge gallery space as my own? Um, and it originally had never intended to be like a dance party. Like if you read my proposal, you would be like, wait, what, like what happened? (laughs) Um, But because I had this, like, full year to work on this show and, like, really gave it, like, the time and space it needed, I, like, could um, really develop it, like, basically kind of listen to what the work needed and, and, um, you know, at some point decided, like, yeah, it's going to be a dance party, like, screw it. Like, I remember, like, telling the curators that I was, like, it's going to be a disco, like, and I was kind of, like, really shy about it, like, I, you know, because I... It was like I knew it was weird. Like it was like probably not what they were expecting. Um, but you know, of course, i'm I'm glad that I did it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I
1: think like getting to to spread that, like you had said, like in in traditional you know white wall gallery spaces where maybe the usual clientele isn't expecting that, um and you being able to like share that with other people and being like, just have fun. like this is it's weird. Enjoy it. Enjoy it for being weird or not enjoy it. I don't know.
2: Um, Yeah, yeah, and it didn't, you know, it wasn't like a commercial gallery where like I needed to like mm -hmm. sell the work necessarily, and so I I could take some more risks, and that's like really what, um, you know, let it be what it was. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a really special opportunity. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I would say like you're talking, you you gave it, you gave this work, or at least that that first show, a full year of giving it space to breathe and really develop into what, you know, what you're working on now. Um, what did that process look like in terms of thinking, conceptualizing these new ideas? And how did you, did you document in any way? Or how, how was that whole process of trying to come up with this show?
2: yeah yeah i mean i i knew i had a framework like i knew i wanted i think i originally imagined it as like a path of like you would like walk into this path of like these massager pieces um at that time i was like thinking um i think it was like around easter i was like writing that like proposal and i remember like in when i was a kid like like these churches i went to would host these like um there's like this like famous story of like Jesus, like entering the city of Jerusalem. And like, everybody is like fanning palms, like, and like, it's this really celebratory moment. And like, weirdly, I like, there were, these churches would do reenactments of that. And they would like hire this like random white dude to like pretend to be Jesus and like give us all palms. And we would like do that for him. It was really weird, but like, um, I was thinking of that kind of like procession, um, and uh, so, yeah, I knew that I needed to just make like a lot of sculptures. And so I was just making a ton of them. Um, and, and this actually really kind of serendipitous moment happened where I was, um, uh, my studio partner at the time was like also there and he was just like messing around on like his guitar and like playing music and like, you know, playing with like his pedals and whatever. And I was just like working on my sculptures and like letting them kind of run. And, um, this kind of aha moment came where we were just like looking at it and we were like, there needs to be music in the show. Like they're dancing. Like it was, um, and i I'd never thought about them in a dancing context, which is like really kind of weird to think about. Cause now I call them like my dancing plant sculptures, but like <laughs> before they were just like my weird moving plant sculptures. Um, so yeah, so that really kind of like got the ball rolling. I, um, like commissioned a local St. Louis band uh, called Godbod to to um, create the original dance track. And then I kind of spliced in the Korean church sounds in there. Um, and, you know, I went to Guitar Center and I got a disco ball because I was like, why not? <laughs> and, um, you know, play with gel lighting and was buying all these weird DJ lights and stuff like off of Amazon. Um, and, and yeah, the speaker cabinets came into it because I was, like, you know, looking for a way to kind of elevate the sculptures off of the floor, but I'm, like, not a huge fan of, like, typical, like, pedestals. So uh, I was looking for something that kind of would, like, be part of the show and, you know, the, the speakers themselves, like, also push out the sound of the exhibition, too, so they're, like, functional. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a long process. And, yeah, I mean, I think, like, halfway through the year, I was, like, okay, it's going to be a dance party. And, and then everything kind of shifted. Um, but then it, it felt like it really kind of naturally came together.
3: Nice. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads in, I had a um, question kind of around that. How, uh, how did you settle on the massagers, like being how the plants would move? Um, <clears throat> is that something like, that you had experimented like with in your when you were doing your bfa um also just like what is your art background
1: Um,
2: yeah yeah so i did a bfa in sculpture um graduated a little over four years ago so 2017. Um, and at that point I actually was not making moving sculptures at all. Like I was actually making soft sculpture, which I think like looking back, like really kind of tied into them, uh, into the work I'm making now, because they were these like really anthropomorphized, um, soft pieces of furniture, like that, like couldn't stand up. Like they were really weird and sad and pathetic, but they had this very animated quality to them. Um, but yeah, I was like a little bit out of school and just kind of like working in the studio and like at some point decided that I wanted to like make something kinetic and I was like well I don't know how to like actually make like a motor like I was just like I don't know how to do this like I'm like an art student like <laughs> I didn't hey, you're not an engineer um, yeah I'm not an engineer so I was like I need to find something and um and I just kind of was like browsing on like Facebook marketplace and then like was like oh yeah like massagers they like move but they move like slowly so um yeah I like drove out from um, like maybe like a half hour into like the suburbs of St. Louis and then just like paid this lady like 20 bucks in cash and um and now that I'm actually thinking about it she like had this really crazy greenhouse set up when I was buying this from her I don't know maybe that just like weirdly <laughs> worked its way in but um but yeah so I I brought it back to my studio and I like kind of took it apart because I was like how do I like attach something to this motor and um did give myself a little bit of a shock it was not great always unplug things before you mess with them and um yeah the first piece I ever made actually had like bamboo poles stuck onto the the base and they were kind of like
3: um
2: spinning it was it was a very kind of minimal thing but um but yeah that was like really like the tip of the iceberg and like that really kind of set off this whole whole body of work. Um, yeah, I mean, so it kind of came through just like being present in the studio and just messing around and then, you know, finding this combination that worked really well. I love that you found
1: it through Facebook Marketplace. I think that is <laughs> yeah. so fantastic because there's like, you know, a lot of found, you know, found object Esque type work, sometimes people pay like an insane amount of money for these objects. And Mm -hmm. then, like, that brings into play, like, well, how much does this piece actually cost? Or, like, you know, what is the value of it as art and all these. You know, super can these super weird questions come up, but you're like, here's twenty dollars. Uh, can I please have your weird massager
2: that you don't yeah. use for? And it's like it really just came out of being resourceful, which I feel like came from being like a scrappy art student. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I have no money to make anything, like, um, so I'm gonna get something used. And and that actually kind of worked out because like all of the massagers I buy are secondhand because, um, I like that they have this history to them. Like they used to like massage somebody's foot or like their back. And, uh, it's a little gross sometimes, but, um, but yeah, but I, I, you know, I really kind of fell in love with this narrative, that they, um, were bought for a certain, like to do that, to like comfort somebody's body and then ultimately were sold off because they failed to do that. Like they were not wanted anymore. And, um, And I found that kind of like really sad um, because I was like, you know, I'll take you. Like, you know, let's go to my studio and like you can do something now incredibly weird and be art. Um, What a great way to recycle. (laughs) Yeah, I think I just like, I think I have a hard time throwing things away. Like I just, I think I just get latched onto objects and I just feel so sorry for them, even though they like don't have feelings or anything (laughs) like that. Um, So so yeah, so everything I, I bought, I bought off um, Facebook Marketplace for that show. Like I I did a lot of driving and doing some on Facebook Marketplace is like a lot of work because you have to like mm-hmm. be communicative. You need to like show up on time. You have to have the right cash, um, you know, the right uh, denom- bill denominations. And, like, um, and a lot of it was driving like, you know, up to like 40 minutes out of like where I live. So yeah. Um, my studio practice was also like a lot of driving and coordinating um yeah
1: when you're creating these spaces there's a lot of problem solving that is tied into making site-specific work um Mm -hmm. you know sometimes machines don't work immediately or you know the plants just do not want to cooperate or even the space itself or the you know people you're working with like there's a lot of, there's a lot of problem solving that comes into play. And I wanted to ask you, like, how do you, you know, what is your thought process on like, how do you problem solve? What do you do when things go bad?
2: Yeah. Or, you know, no, Not bad, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's real. And I, I feel like it It feels very natural to me because I always need to respond to the space that I'm in. Like even if I'm not doing like, a full site specific installation and like, I still want to like know what the gallery, like I always try to visit a gallery before, um, before I show there just to kind of get a sense of the, the space and how the work will fill it um I mean luckily the, the install for this show was like super straightforward and like very easy um uh, especially because you helped me with all the gels <laughs> of the lighting because that would have been like such a pain in the ass to do by myself but um but yeah I mean yeah the first time when I was at the Contemporary Art Museum in St. Louis it was just like I don't know it was a lot of figuring out like the wiring too because I didn't want anybody to be like tripping over like mm. um, speaker wires there's like a lot of things that need to be plugged in I actually like consulted with an electrical engineer because I was like am I gonna blow out the power of this museum and he was like no like <laughs> basically not um which is a good thing to check if you're ever doing something with like a lot of like electrical power in it but um but yeah, I don't know. It it just kind of came together really naturally. And yeah, some pieces like didn't work or they like there's one that was making like a horrible squeaking sound. And I was like, you know what? It's just we're just gonna leave this one off for now. Um and that's okay because you know, I don't expect the the works to to work forever. Um it's funny when I like turn everything on because I kind of like arrange things first and then like sometimes things get like horribly tangled into each other or like Mm. I've seen like a piece like completely like swat another piece off of its speaker. Like it was like, (laughs) I have to like pull them apart. Like they're like fighting children, um, which is like really funny to think of my sculptures as like my kids, but I'm like, yeah, like they get tangled and they like start fighting. Um, but uh, but yeah, then there's just like an equilibrium where they're like all like the right kind of distance from each other, and then, um, and then yeah, my favorite part uh, of the of setting it up is like tossing all the flower petals at the end because like also on the floor is like all this like debris like from like previous shows like you'll you'll find like the heads of flowers that like um, fell off, um, and a lot of it's just like kind of like scrap floral pieces. Um, but yeah, I feel like you know, like a flower girl. Like I'm just like tossing, you know, these um like fistfuls of flowers all over the pieces. Um but yeah, was, I don't know. I, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a good rewarding kind of like we're done, like we're yeah. celebrating, <laughs> we're like um kind of moment. But um, but yeah, I mean it's the show, like, you know, this is like a really nice big space in the Brick City Gallery. Um, I've done it in this like really like I installed, like, a very small version of that show in, like, this room in this old, like, grain mill in, like, um, like in upstate New York, which was, like, super different um, and a lot creepier. Um, and actually, like, the next iteration of it is going to be, like, in a basement gallery, um, which is cool because it'll definitely have this, like, underground um, kind of peasy feeling to it. So, um, yeah, I like kind of adapting the work to the new spaces it's going into. Yeah.
1: yeah, And it was fun. I mean, install was as crazy as it was, was pretty fun. I mean, you know, like the, that moment of like turning everything on and seeing like, Oh my gosh, pretty much everything works, <laughs> you know, and then like the step-by-step process of like putting the gels on, which I am by no means and uh, electrician at all, we were struggling. <laughs> I will say those lights were really hard. Those like, lights were, were like, really hard. <laughs> I couldn't understand the track lighting. I was like, it was, it was a mess. But seeing it come together and like, it, you know, turning the lights on and having it off and having it set up that way was really rewarding. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, as, you know, as makers or even, you know, any sort of maker, there is like that sense of accomplishment when you see it at a point where you're like, this is it, this is done. And you kind of get to breathe finally.
2: Yeah, and I really liked um, like involving you all like in the process. Like, I mean, I asked you like a million times, I was like, yellow or green? Like I was like, which gel should I use? Cause I, I don't know, I'm incredibly indecisive. And so like picking like all these gels is like really, really difficult. but yeah, I, I I hope to make it maybe, like, not excruciating to, like, install the work. I mean, I don't know. I remember, like, the first time I was at the Contemporary Art Museum, I was like, they're not going to try to, like, handle everything with gloves, right? Because you're technically supposed to handle, like, all the other artwork that's in the show, like, with gloves. And I was like, we had to do, like, a condition report on, like, the pieces. And it was, like, I don't know. Everything is used and, like, scratched because I just, like, throw the room out of my studio and, like you know, the speaker cabinets were all used and, like, collected secondhand, so they were all scratched up, too, so I was, like, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, it was probably, like, an insurance nightmare, but, like, you know, whatever. (laughs) It was nice, like, I I really also like that when the work can be experienced by people who aren't, like, typical art museum goers, like, when I was at the Contemporary Art Museum, like, it was a lot of, like, kids and, like, families just, like, going to, like, go out and experience some culture. It wasn't like you needed to like have the vocabulary to like understand what you were looking at. It was just like, it was wild.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's and a good time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of it is like you don't necessarily need to have like all the fancy words and vernacular to walk into in, walk into your piece and experience it. Like mm-hmm. I, I would love to be a kid and walk through that
2: like that is like the ultimate that would be the ultimate joy of the day would be like my favorite documentation yeah is like babies in the show because they just like (laughs) run around and that was something that we had to like think about with installing it was like you know people like mess with artwork and like kids like run through work because they just like don't know like they don't care that you're not supposed Mm -hmm. to touch it um but yeah I, I have like some great like clips of like like toddlers like dancing and like bouncing around and um yeah it's it's a really precious moment but um but yeah you're reminding me that like you know I writing about my work is like one of my least favorite things to do and like the reason I make artwork is because I'm not like a very good verbal or like written communicator and like I think you know that's such a a thing about making art is that like you always have to kind of explain it or like put the wall text up and um, I try my best to like not make it super opaque like you know there's this convention of like using international art English to talk about your work and I feel like especially like in school you like really get pressured to do that Um, but I think I just like learned I was going to be a lot happier when I decided not to do that mm-hmm. I mean it's it's hard because I'm like writing like grad school apps now and I'm like oh yeah I forgot I have to like try to sound smart but like I don't know that's it's not my my preferred way of communicating about my work you like,
3: experience it that was something I wanted to talk about was if you were considering going to grad school because I have a year left of my bachelor's degree and have been consider considering going for an MFA, um, it's hard to, like, be like, do I want to keep going to school? I've been going for so long now, and I was wondering if you, like, had any connection to that kind of feeling, because oh my you God. said you graduated, like, four years ago, Yeah, so to go back sucks. and do it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it
2: sucks, and I mean, you know, like, I was fine at school, but it was a lot of work. I had like little control over my life. I feel like it just like happened to me. Um, Grad school is hard because I, it, you have to decide to go. Like, I feel like, you know, with all of your schooling previously and even a bachelor's degree, it's like, there's a general expectation of like timing. And, you know, of course there's no like wrong timing necessarily. Like people wait to do college degrees or they just never go and that's fine. But, um, but yeah, I think especially with, like, art, you know, graduates and, like, the master's program, you have to, like, really decide that, like, um, it's what you need, and and it, I feel like it requires, like, humility on my part, like, I'm like, yeah, like, I have so much room to grow, like, this is not, like, my, this is not my final form, like, um, and I don't want it to be, like, you know, I really like making this work, but also, like, I think if I had to make plant sculptures for the rest of my life, I'd probably, like, be really upset you know like I want the work to change and to to evolve um I mean if anybody out there is like thinking about I mean I would probably like wait I mean that's what I did like there's people who go straight into grad programs um there's some people that wait um and I waited and I I then I think it was good because it forced me to like figure out how to be an artist like without like academia like and that structure kind of making me do it like it's weird because you go to art school like you're basically like paying um or somebody is paying for you to make art and then you go out into the world and like suddenly like there nobody's making you do anything and you actually have to like work a job to like pay for things and like um so I, I got some good like life experience by, by working and, you know, working, I worked full time, um, actually like more than full time. And then I also like do this artist work and, um, it's a lot and it's like definitely like pushed my limits. And I know now that it's like not sustainable with like the work that I need to make. Um, which is why, yeah, like I'm, I'm looking to, to do grad school because I really need that time and space again. Um, I feel like I'm always kind of squeezing art into like the few hours off that I have from my job. But I'm also like, I'm like so tired. (laughs) like, um, And I want to just like sit down and like watch TV sometimes. Like, you know, it doesn't always have to be like a huge grind. Um, But yeah, I don't know. But that that being said, like, you know, I thought I was going to do the full-time job thing and and doing art for like the rest of my life. Like if it maybe could have worked out that way, but. Um yeah, my feelings have shifted, but it, it took four years for me to figure out that I want to go to grad school. So yeah. And some people wait like a really long time too. Like some people go and yeah. they have like families and kids and um I don't know. It just really depends on the individual. Yeah. I second that.
1: <laughs> As a current grad student, I second that. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I think for me thinking about grad school is I'm in an education art art education degree and I just Mm -hmm. want to be able to experiment with things because I haven't really got to do that yet. Yeah. And I feel like it's weird. Like, you know, sometimes you're supposed
2: to just go straight into grad school, like depending on the degree and like the, the career path you're in, like art's like a weird thing where like some people are like, you should wait and like, you should like work or like, you know, um, and, and, you know, some, you know, if you were like going to be a doctor, you wouldn't necessarily like wait like a long time yeah. to like figure out like, oh, I'm going to go do medical school. Like, or I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that happens. I think there's just like with art, there's just so much like contemplation and just like really having to like know yourself. Um, and yeah, I don't know. You got to know thyself. do not want to, to wanna go into school. Um, but yeah, there's so many good things about school like having the time and space but also like the facilities like the cohort like you know right now like i don't have a lot of like artist friends around me um, or i do but there's a few of us and you know we don't go to school every day and see each other so it's like um i don't know it's easy to feel pretty lonely as an artist like when you're not in a school setting and so um yeah that's something that, and that's something that really came up for me when i did a residency because i like took two weeks off of work to like go to rural Wisconsin and like live in, you know, kind of this weird cabin area with like, um, you know, a bunch of artists, but it was really nice to like, not have to explain myself as an artist. It was just like a given, like everybody here's an artist and they'll do this. And it's like not weird to like talk about conceptual ideas or like, you know, mess around with like a a new process. Like it was, um, yeah, it was a really, really nice reminder. And and that's I think ultimately got the got the ball rolling with the grad school thing.
1: Well, I think I I had one last question that mm-hmm. I guess is like a little fun, but also like kind of daunting. Um, I noticed that on your social media you kind of post these reels of like your pieces <laughs> dancing to different music, which I absolutely mm-hmm. enjoy. Yes. Um the <laughs> MGMT one was fantastic. <laughs> but I wanted to ask, like, as an artist, would what are your thoughts on the relationship between like social media and and your practice?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a very loaded one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's good and bad, right? Like I actually think I owe a lot to Instagram as a platform because I've actually been, you know, quote unquote discovered or seen a lot through that. And it's because I kind of treat my, my instagram kind of like a gallery like it's like if you scroll through it i mean it's personal posts too of course but um but it's a lot of like pieces and i'm just like um developed like a very very loose schedule in my head that like i should like post every once in a while remind people that i'm alive and making work um i mean there's certainly ways for artists to like be artists without social media of course and that's like obviously the way the the world worked but in a way it, it kind of um makes it a little fairer I think like you know being able to like use the internet like I feel like of course like you still like have to like have connections and like mingle and do all that kind of stuff to be an artist but also like having this like very like um easily accessible visual platform is like amazing um Mm -hmm. and being able to like connect with other artists in a very casual way is also amazing um But then, you know, it's a double-edged sword because it is very, very easy to feel like you're not doing enough. Because um, if you follow a ton of artists on Instagram and it just feels like everybody's always making stuff. And that's like sort of true. Like people work in their studios and they post, but like, you know, people mostly only post about like the good stuff that's happening. And there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in the studio too. And like a lot of like things that you know never lead to anything necessarily and that's just kind of part of the process um so yeah I feel like I kind of had to have this like moment where I was like Rachel like it's okay to like not be productive like 100% of the time all these other people who are posting about all this work and these shows that they're doing are also like taking time and like resting and like spending time with like their family and their friends and like um but yeah, that's like a very cognizant thing I had to do because it was just, e- it's very easy to be um, super, super overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, I don't know. its I think it's good to have a social media presence, but yeah, you have to keep like a good like arm's distance from it because it's, it really isn't everything. Like it's, it's technically all theoretical. Like it's all, it's all digital, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, it's real and it isn't.
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get you taking it with a grain of salt because that is something that I have struggled with in the past. I think like the constant pressure of like everybody has to see what I'm doing all the time, or else nobody's gonna think I'm the, that I'm working. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, like even yeah, and like, it's if, like you can't even like give yourself time to like make mistakes because you're like oh, exactly. I need to post about how successful my studio practice is, and it's like there are times I go to studio and I'm like, well, that was a bust, you know? Like mm-hmm. it was necessary exactly. to like go through that, but like um yeah like you know sometimes I get into unhealthy or I don't know like sometimes I'm like oh like this would be a great thing to post to Instagram but it's like that's not like the only reason I should do it like I should yeah. do it because it's like what I want to do you know right. yeah I, like, I think I, that applies to a lot of things like beyond just like being an artist <laughs> like that's like for yeah sure
3: everybody <laughs> I like social media as like an in-school artist but it also is like pushing like hey everyone's making art that's like not for school because for me I I post a lot of like oh I had an assignment for this class it's art I'm gonna post it Mm -hmm. but then it's like do I have art that's not homework
2: (laughs) yeah I think it's like I'm also trying to not be so curated like I you know I I do think about what I'm going to post, but, um, but you know, that's, that's why, like, occasionally I drop in like a very, you know, just like not art related, like here's my life kind of post Cause I'm like, oh yeah. Like nobody can tell me like how to run this like platform. Like it's mine and I can, I can use it in whatever way. And, you know, I'm being strategic with it. Why, you know, posting art on it, but also like it's, it's whatever it's just social media like yeah. I can, it's not that deep it's yeah. not yeah. that deep and art is also not that deep like I'm just yeah. like it'd be like chill <laughs> I don't know. yeah right
1: yeah and I I think like everybody has a different level of productivity too and everybody just has like different uh, views on like what is done what is good so like you know who cares just post what Yeah. Like, that's what I think. Like, I'm like, it's cool to see you posting like little reels to your work. Like (laughs) it's, it doesn't, it doesn't take itself so seriously where it's like, this is, this is an object. And sure. Like I, like you call it art, but it's dancing to a song and I'm posting it for you Mm. to share and like, look at. And I think that's like that there in those moments, I'm like, okay, maybe social media isn't that bad.
2: Yeah. yeah I like I like kind of using the music to counteract like you know usually these are very like they're documented in a gallery space and mm-hmm. it's like very like white-walled. so I like kind of like I don't know sometimes I just mess around and like you know I mean it's funny that I'm making reels like I feel like I've resisted it <laughs> for like so long but I was like you know technically a video platform is like the best way to show my work so I was like I should yeah. make reels um but, yeah, it's, like, so easy to put music to it. So I would just, like, kind of, like, browse through, like, music and just see what what works well. And it's kind of this funny way of also, like, sharing my, like, really um, corny, like, 2006, 2007 era, like, music taste um, <laughs> with the world. Like, I'm like, here's Shake It by Metro Station or here's <laughs> MGMT or, like, some pop punk or something. But, um, yeah, I definitely... I like being lighthearted with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, Definitely. me too. Like a lighthearted, <laughs> a lighthearted experience. when yeah. looking at art. And then I guess to, it to end so it so all,
2: serious. Yeah. yeah. It's, it well, is. yeah. I mean, like it, it kind of breaks up the death scroll, like a little, or the doom scroll, not the doom yes, scroll. Yeah, the, <laughs> the doom scroll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like that half the time. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess to, to, end it off, speaking of social media, you know, how do we, how do we stay up to date with your work?
2: Yeah. Um, great question. Um, yeah, I feel like social media is where I do all like my updates and stuff. Like I don't have a newsletter yet. Cause I'm like, I don't want to do it, but like, um, but yeah, you can, put, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's, uh, just at Rachel Yoon. Um, and Yoon is spelled, like young without a g um but uh but yeah you can find all my very silly reels and, and life updates and you know i post about any show that i'm participating yeah. in too so um yeah i don't know that's how you found me awesome. i don't have tiktok no I, I don't <laughs> think i ever will i have one to like observe but not okay.
3: but to be an outsider how good yeah. the views would be on like hothouse videos
2: i don't know oh my god yeah wait i missed you have a, a tiktok for the gallery i just mm-hmm. remembered that
3: we may or may not have filmed ghosts in hothouse so ghosts like, she like ghosts oh okay like i was like <laughs> like like, no actual ghosts like, like, or like, are, like, cities real haunted. Notes. I was
2: like, please <laughs> tell me if my work is haunted before I like pack it all up <laughs> and try with it for like, that. I don't want that to, to come and haunt me. But um yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to see the ghosts ghost house party. It'll be good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: Well thank you so much for answering our questions. I think I don't know, it was very informative and I'm
2: glad that we got to talk, you know. The three of us mm-hmm. yes. yeah thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me and um and yeah thanks for you know bringing the show to to the gallery it's been um yeah i'm like excited to like come back for the because i get to do studio visits and um a talk and i've really enjoyed just like getting to know like the community at missouri state so yeah thank you
0: thanks for joining us you can find rachel on instagram at rachel yoon That's R-A-C-H-E-L-Y-O-U-N in the Department of Art and Design at MSU Art Design. The Business of Art and Design is recorded at Missouri State University. Many thanks to Rachel Yoon, Adonica Roat, and Sydney Young. Special shout out to our editor, Adam Chilcote, and Shelby Lewis for designing our cover art. Thanks for listening.